Father, we thank you that Jesus came. And it's because of what he did on the cross and his resurrection that we have this powerful name, the name that is the authority in everything that is resident in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit is inside that name. And I pray, God, that as we, as we celebrate who you are, there's no rival, there's no equal, there's no one that can overcome you. You are the Lord of the universe. And Father, we, we need to be reminded of that. And I just pray, God, today that as we, as we continue to worship you, that we would again affirm those truths in the power that you've given us to live the life that you called us to. Father, we see a lot of challenges in front of us this next year. And I pray, God, that as we go forward, we'll be reminded that the power that's in your name, and we won't rely on our own resources or our own abilities or our own ingenuity or anything else, but that we would rely on Jesus, your power, your name. And now, God, I pray that you'll take the living word of God and that you'll apply it to our lives, that we would be changed today, not only because we've been in your presence and worship and praise, but because we've engaged with your word, and we'll be different. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Just curious, how many of you stayed up past midnight into 2022? Okay. See, you watched that 30, <laughs> a few years ago. I'll, I'll admit, I stayed up till 2022 in New York City. Um, so that's as, far, that's as far as I went. I said, ah, I, I don't need to do this. Uh, my kids, though, did stay up uh, longer than that. Well, as, as we were looking at Coming into 2022, um, I, I wanted to take a look at a passage of Scripture. It might be representative of what we need to hear today. We, we had this incredibly difficult 2021, starting in 2020, but 2021 in many ways. And so it's, uh, how do we handle, how do we look, how do we posture looking forward uh, to 2022? And so I, I went to the book of Joshua as I looked at that and thought, I think I'd like us to look at the Israelites were in front of an incredible obstacle. They had some challenges in front of them and see what, what was their approach to moving forward into the new season or the new land. And so um, I'd like to take some time today to look at some principles out of Joshua, the third chapter, Joshua 3. Um, Joshua 3, it's on page 171 in the Bible in front of you if you uh, want to look at it. Joshua 3, and uh, I'd like to look at that if we could today. Starting with verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shedem and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days... The officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. They said, 
When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of the old Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go before you into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests carried, who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at the town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The nation of Israel stands before a very formidable obstacle. It was called the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is just the first of a lot of obstacles that they're going to encounter or stand in the way of their future. Occupying the promised land. The promised land was called the land of blessing. It was called a land flowing with milk and honey, and that included all of the blessings that God had for them. The land for them is possessing and experiencing all the blessings that God had for each and every one of them. And for, for us, when we look forward in the future, the land represents individually and as a church possessing and experiencing all the blessings God has intended for us. When we look at the, the history of this, the, for 40 years, the Israelites refused to go across the Jordan River. Those of you that know the story, they basically sent out spies, and they said, we can't do this. Uh, it's, it's, the land is too full of giants. It's, it's, it's too dangerous. And so out of fear, they decided not to cross. And so because of fear and unbelief and rebellion, they decided not to cross. And they wandered for 40 years, long time. But now that's history. It's past. Now God says, I want you to move forward. The first step is to cross over the Jordan River. And it's very important for them and for us to understand the steps for us to cross over. We're crossing over into 2022 to say, God, what is it that you want us to do in crossing over into 2022? 
title of this message is Crossover People. Crossover People. For Israel, this was a, was a crossover time. It was a challenging time. And in order to become crossover people, they had to take some challenges and they had to move forward. And as a church, as we're heading into 2022, a brand new year, I want to look at what crossover times are. What are crossover times? And what does it take to become a crossover people? We must look at the future, not the past. The future. Let's start with crossover times. It's spring, and the Jordan River's at flood stage. And this was a huge obstacle in front of them. Verse 4 says, you have never been this way before. Crossover times, first of all, bring new paths. New paths, a new direction. Now, if Israel had been down this road before, they had done something like this, but they'd say, I know the way. I know how to get there. I I don't need directions. I don't need directions. How how many of you who are wives know your husband does not need directions? Anybody? Okay. Even if he's not there before. Men will typically drive aimlessly on hours on end to find that house, that street, or that restaurant, whatever. Who needs directions? Besides... I don't want a GPS either because the GPS on my phone is in a woman's voice and I don't want to have be told what to do by a woman. Okay. That might be a man's, man's world. Okay, whatever. Well, the reason God sends us on new paths is so we realize we can't find it on our own. We need God's help. Alan Redpath says, this path illustrates the passing of a Christian from one level of the Christian life to another. It marks the end of the self-life and the beginning of the Christ life. The end of life lived on the principle of effort and the beginning of life lived on the principles of faith and obedience. New paths. Somewhere we haven't been before. Somewhere we haven't been before. And the question is for you, has God called you to take a new path? Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a change in occupation. A situation you haven't experienced before. Going from work to retirement. And your spouse says, please go back to work. If we've been there before, we we usually say, I recognize this. I can handle it on my own. So God brings us into crossover times, new paths, new directions, and new obstacles that we haven't faced before. We, We saw incredible differences between 2019 and 2020. New paths, new obstacles never seen before. God brings us into them. No, most of us are not comfortable when we're going in one direction and God makes us change direction. Change change doesn't come easy. And the older you get, the less you like change. Okay. Now, I I know some people that love change, even as they get older. Some people really young hate change. So it doesn't have anything to do with age. It has sometimes to do with temperament. But most of us aren't really comfortable with with change. Ask, Ask new parents. For instance, that, that poor first child that is experimented on, uh, my brother, who's the oldest, always said, you had it so easy. You know, they experimented on me, found out what worked. I said, did it work? I, yeah, I think it worked. But by number two or three child, the parents, they kind of get the, the, the hang of it. They know. But then that two-year-old becomes a four-year-old and then becomes a teenager at age five. And so everything goes out the window. Change is, change is hard. Change is hard. And as a church, we must also 
be constantly changing. We must adapt to the culture. Now, we don't change the message. We don't change scripture. We don't change doctrine. We don't change our core beliefs. But we must change. As a leadership team, we are going through a book called Canoeing Canoeing the Mountains. Sounds hard, and it is. Canoeing the Mountains. And uh, the whole paradigm that we're talking about in this book that we're studying is, is its, and its application is that Lewis, it's the story of Lewis and Clark and their expedition exploring uh, Louisiana Purchase. They were given a, a job by the president of the United States to find a water route to the Pacific Ocean. Now, they knew the Pacific Ocean existed, and they, so they got this, this, this uh, expo- expedition ready, and they went up the Missouri River. They wanted to find the head of the Missouri River. They knew that if they got to the head of the Missouri River, they would get to the, the mountain that's right there, and they get up to the next peak, and there would be this nice water route to the Pacific, okay? So, so they go through this whole thing, and, and they did, what they discovered was they got up to the, the end of that, and they carried their canoes up to the peak of that mountain, to the Rockies, and what do they see? More mountains and more mountains and more. And as you know, you can't canoe the mountains, okay? That's the whole paradigm. They had to change their whole paradigm of how do we get through? How do we fulfill the mission of this expedition with old ways? Because we all thought a canoe would get us there. We all thought there was a water route. There wasn't. They had to completely change their whole paradigm. Well, the church is in a place like that today, too, where the old ways just don't work anymore. And so we have to say, and that's what we're looking at. And we're, we're being challenged as a leadership team to say, what is it that we need to change in order to fulfill our mission as a church, to love, peop- love God, love people, and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do we change that? And, and it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's new paths. Judy and I had the opportunity to serve as a transitional term pastor in a church in Kansas. And we were there specifically for one year to just bring change. And as we talked to the leadership, and I sat down with the leadership team, and we talked about the future of the church. And, and I, we disco- what we discovered was they had made absolutely no changes in how they did ministry for 40 years years. Exact same songs, exact same schedule, exact same ministries. Nothing had changed for 40 years. Now, many of them were professionals in their work environment, in nursing and healthcare and aerospace and airplane manufacturing. Wichita has has Learjet and they have all kinds of Boeing plants. They have all kinds of things. So there there were a lot of people that worked in those industries. So I asked them, Okay, we haven't done anything different in 40 years. I said, has anything changed in your occupation over 40 years? <laughs> yeah. Lots of things. Technology, computerization. It was, it was the advent of the Internet, cell phones, smartphones. You, you looked at all the changes that in 40 years. I mean, it was massive in their occupation. And I said, what changed at church? Nothing. Nothing. Wow. And they got it. 
When change comes, we have three options as a church and as, as people. We can isolate from culture and say, we're just going to keep our group and we're, gonna, we're comfortable in this group and we're going to stay here and we're not going to change. Or we can assimilate into the culture, which would be more compromising, becoming more like the culture. Or we can actually engage the culture, get in touch with the culture, understand the culture, confront the culture, relate to the culture. We can either keep from changing or we can actually change. Changes in our world are so dramatic and traumatic. Sometimes we want something that remains unchanged, and sometimes we say, that's going to be my church. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's fine if the church exists just for itself, but it doesn't. Everything we do here must be done for people who are not yet here. Let me say that again. Everything we are to do must be done for those who are not yet here. New paths, new direction, change. Lots of things that we need to change. So crossover times bring new paths, new change. Now, just a, a, note, a quick note here. Theology does not change. God never changes. Methods of communication change. Styles change. New paths. Is it uncomfortable? Sometimes it is, yeah. But to go forward, we will have new paths and we must change. Secondly, crossover, crossover times also bring new challenges, new challenges, new obstacles. The Jordan River was considered a great obstacle. It was spring, it was harvest time, and all the spring rains had come and all the snow melted from Mount Hermon up north. Kyle and Delish write this. They say, crossing the Jordan at this season was regarded as an extraordinary feat in ancient times, so that it is mentioned in 1 Chronicles 12.15 as a heroic act. Now, the spies may have been able to cross the Jordan River, but when you take families and children and flocks and herds and everything you have, impossible, great challenge. And you may be here today with a new challenge, a new challenge before you, a crossover time, a crisis. Do you know why God gives us new challenges instead of the same old ones? New challenges instead of the same old ones, like the new paths. We would think we are able to handle it on our own. I did this before. I don't need God. God rarely gives us the same challenge twice. And new challenges can be disturbing. They can be frightening. A health crisis, a parenting crisis. I've never been here before. A challenging working relationship, a painful relationship breakup, a painful d divorce, a death in the family, a business risk, that difficult relative, or a COVID pandemic. Difficult challenges. How do we deal with new challenges? New challenge. Unknown ch future. All the kinds of things we deal with. Well, we need God. We need God. Life is all about constant change. New paths, new challenges. And crossover times also bring new circumstances. New circumstances. The Canaanite people that were in the land at that point were involved in all kinds of things. Not only did, did Israel face physical warfare, but also spiritual warfare. The Canaanites were involved in witchcraft, child sacrifices to demon gods, every kind of immorality imaginable. 
spiritual battles. And today, as, as a church, we face incredible battles. Who, who would have thought 20 years ago that we'd be in a battle over the definition of marriage? Whoever thought there'd be, we'd be challenged on a scientific fact that there are two genders, male and female. It, it, it's, it's unimaginable. That good would be called evil and evil would be called good. That we here in, in Eau Claire would be rated per capita in the top 10 in drunkenness. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? That we'd have rampant drug abuse and addiction, internet pornography available on smartphones to eight-year-olds or five-year-olds. Unimaginable. That governors of some states would advocate and pass laws legalizing infanticide and, and celebrating sin. How do we go forward? How do we as a church move forward in that kind of environment? Who would have thought? Who would have thought we had that? that that's the reality. We can't... We can't bury our head in the sand and just pretend, oh, I'm just going to stay away from that. It's a challenge of our culture. How do we deal? How do we deal with it when, when, when teachers in a local school celebrate coming out in cross-gender? That ha that's happening. That is happening. And how do you, how do you deal with that? How do we become a crossover of people? Joshua 3.10 says, This is how you will know that the living God is among you, that we will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. How do we know? We need to see the hand of God. The, these are supernatural battles. Should we be politically active? Absolutely, we ought to be engaged in political activism, getting involved in the, the, in the way that we deal with with uh, politics and laws, etc. today. But it is not about political activism. It's about prayer, fasting, and spiritual warfare. The word used, it says, God will dispossess. God will dispossess the godless. We need God. We need God to do that. Absolutely. Crossover times. Crossover times call for Roman numeral two, a crossover people. A crossover people. How do we how do we become that crossover people? God created human beings with a free will and gave us the responsibility to choose. God made us with choice. And by the way, in order to make a real choice, we must know the whole truth. If we conceal any part of the truth, I really do not have a choice. Cho choice. And there are some choices we need to make as individual people and as a, as a church. Three choices we must make, three actions we must take. First one, letter A, is, is follow God. God had given Joshua a command in which he in turn communicated to the people. Very simply, three things. There, there are three things he calls us and tells us we need to do to become a crossover people, to deal with these challenging crossover times. It's the same thing when you're getting ready to cross a railroad track. Yeah, I can relate to that. Stop, listen, look. Stop, listen, and look. First one is stop. What, are, what, are, what do we need to do? Stop, which is wait, wait. 
um, Israel had to stop and wait for God to do his water thing, okay? His water thing. You know, he did the Red Sea. He did his water thing here. He did his water thing with Elijah and Elisha. It's, it's like, okay, we have to stop and wait, for, wait sometimes for God to do his thing. Following God and crossover times begins by stopping and waiting on God. Um, I don't know how many of you watched a lot of football. There's a lot of it this weekend. But when you watch skilled running backs, um, they wait for the hole to open before they take off. You know, otherwise they run right into the, their own blockers. And you see that once in a while. Real enthusiastic young uh, running back, boom, runs into his running back, into his blockers instead of waiting for the hole to open, then coming and going. He runs smart. He waits patiently for the hole to open. It's all about timing. It's about timing. And sometimes we need to wait on God. On God. God has a timetable. God has a schedule. His time is perfect. And sometimes we have to just wait on God. I hate to wait. Anybody here like to wait? I hate to wait. But I'll, I'll tell you one of my one of my pet peeves, and this isn't intended to disparage any occupation, but um, when we go out to eat, Judy and I are there to relax. Okay, we're going out to eat someplace. And the, the wait staff comes up, and what do they ask? What can I get for you right away? What can I get for you right away? And I go, I don't want anything right away. I just want, I, you know, just, just take that word out of vocabulary. And if you have wait staff and you have run a restaurant, just tell people, get rid of that, if, especially if you're waiting on people older than 50, I guess. I don't know. But it's like right away. We, we don't like to wait, and, and our whole culture is, is hurried. Israel had to wait for God's timing. Now, the question, when you look at this story, was God's timing off? Was his timing off? Wouldn't it be better to wait until August when the river's easy to cross? You know, say, there must be, no, God's timing is perfect. God's timing for the crossing of the Jordan River was when it was impossible so he could show his impossible power. So he could show his impossible power. Sometimes he waits, and, and they ran into this around Jericho too. They, they walked around how many times a day, once a day for six days, seven times last time. It's like after a few times around, you go, that wall is not moving anywhere. It's, it's, it's impossible. When we wait, then we can see that it's impossible. God's timing is perfect. Sometimes God calls on us to stop and wait until our obstacle is impossible to cross. Then he says, move. Then we need God. Then we need a miracle. Then we realize we can't do it on our own. So stop. That's, not, that's wait. Number two, listen or pray. Verse 90 says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. A large part of prayer is listening or should be large part of prayer is listening. Do you ever have a conversation with someone and they do all the talking? You never get a word in edgewise? <laughs> yeah. We have that problem once in a while. That's not real communication. Prayer is two-way communication. Listen to God. When we are in crossover times, when we're in crisis, we can't just rattle off at the mouth. We have to stop and we have to listen too. How does, how does God speak? God speaks in many ways. He speaks through the Word of God. 
And this is, we should be reading this every day, at least a portion. Other people, maybe a message, maybe a Bible teaching, but we listen to God. So we stop and we listen. And then there's number three, look. This has to do with faith. In verse three, he said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Look, the Ark of God was to go ahead of the people. The Ark was the visible representation of the presence of God. And every one of the two and a half million people getting ready to cross were to have a personal view of the Ark. They were supposed to see it personally. Look at God. And if we're to cross over safely, if we're going to become crossover people and make it over, we have to look at God. If before you is an impossible obstacle, don't look at the obstacle. Look at God. Look at God. Don't look at the river. Look at God. Don't look at your obstacle. Don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at your challenge. Look at God. Faith is looking at God. It's looking at God. Therein lies the power of worship. When we come together on Sunday mornings as a group, we're not just here to sing songs. We're here to look at God. That's worship. When we praise God, we're looking at God. We're elevating. And God doesn't need it. God doesn't need our worship or praise. We do. We, when we praise God, we elevate who he is. We begin to see him as he is. We begin to worship him as he is. We look at God. He said in verse 11, See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the, all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. God is a ruler of the whole universe. He says, look at God. Looking at God is the essence of faith. Looking at God is the essence of faith. Most of you remember the New Testament account where the disciples were in the storm of the Sea of Galilee and Peter walked on the water toward Jesus. As long as he looked at Jesus, he was fine. But when did he begin to sink and drown? He started to sink and drown when he started looking at the waves. Okay? You know, we're looking at these obstacles. Crossover times, I'm looking, I better... Look, don't look at the obstacle, look at God. This is a look of faith, demonstrating that we know that God is the only one that can help us through this. They cross over times, keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, letter B, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. When entering crossover times, becoming a crossover people, there's something we can do as a congregation and as individuals. Verse 5 says, he said, consecrate yourself. He said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. What does that mean to consecrate? Consecration involves, first of all, examination. Examination. Let God's light shine into your heart, the inner recesses of our hidden chambers. Let God examine our thoughts, our motives, and our hearts. Psalm 139, the last two verses, 23 and 24, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way 
everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Check out my thoughts. And, and we just give God permission, just, just look in my heart, look inside. And, and we're in crossover times as a church, as individuals. It's crucial to examine our hearts and allow God to search it out. Consecration then brings us to confession. The purpose of examination is for God to point out areas that need attention in our life so that we can confess them. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We talked about this spiritual breathing. We confess. We breathe out the carbon dioxide, breathe out the bad, and appropriate the good, inhale the, the forgiveness of God. Spiritual breathing. Breathe out, breathe in. And we have to do that at least once a day? Probably more times than that. We're in this constant state. We have to breathe constantly, and we have to confess and appropriate forgiveness many times in a day because we, you know, we sin. Okay? I'm sorry to break it to you. I know you thought 2022 was going to be different. I'm sorry. We're going to still sin. Okay? We're not perfect. We're going to sin, and we need to appropriate that forgiveness. And then number three, purification. After we confess, we're made pure. And this is something God does. God calls us to holiness and rightness, right relationship. Spiritual purification is allowing God to clean our hearts, turning in trust and obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus. We submit to him, and he makes us pure. Crossover times, crossover people. Consecrate yourself. Why? Tomorrow, God is going to do great things. Wow. In 2022, God is going to do great things for you. In 2022, God is going to do great things for you. Believe it. Believe it. Follow God. Consecrate yourselves. And then follow courageous leadership. Verse 13 says this. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. That's a heap of water. I don't know if you've ever seen something like that. Courageous leadership. Interesting thing is they, they, they couldn't come up and say, okay, God, we're ready. Stop it. No, they actually had to step in. These were courageous leaders. They had to actually step into the water to demonstrate their faith and belief that God, they had to obey God and do that. That takes courage, courageous leadership. And before the people follow courageous leadership, there must be courageous leaders. We need courageous leadership. In the church, in the home, at your office, in your school, in your neighborhood, we must have courageous leadership. Fear dominates. Faith is looking at God. And God calls for courageous people to become courageous leaders by taking those steps of faith, looking at God, believing that he would do what he said he would. They had to actually step into the water. And I love that. I'm sure they thought, is this really going to work? <laughs> they probably said, we're going to really look stupid I'm going to ruin my new Nikes. I mean, I, who knows what they thought. But they did. They actually had to step in before God stopped. And we must step in. Godly leadership. 
question, is our leadership passive or passionate, assertive or hesitant, loving, is it gentle? We will lead, and God's people will reflect our leadership. It's a great responsibility, leadership. Crossover times, crossover people. The impossible was accomplished. God dried up the river, they stood on and crossed over on dry ground. As we approach 2022, I encourage you to take these lessons of crossover. We're not called to passivity. We are on a journey, and we are called to go into the future. And as a congregation, I want to challenge you as we move forward to become one of those crossover people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us real examples of of people just like us who were called to action. They were called to belief. They were called to consecration. And I'm sure those priests were ordinary people that wondered, is God going to really come through? But you took their steps of faith and you helped them lead. I just pray, God, that as we move forward, Father, we would be optimistic about the future that you are going to do great things among us, not only in this church, but in our families, in our places of employment, in our schools, in this, this city of Eau Claire, in, the, in this valley, the Chippewa Valley. God, we desperately need you. And I just pray, God, as we move forward into 2022, that you would use us for that purpose. In Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we?